Hello, and welcome to the Running Hook Podcast, hosted by Alex Burr, a member of the Running Hook Podcast Network. Welcome to another off-season edition of the Alex and Dylan Basketball Power Hour. We were having this discussion literally seconds before we started recording. But Dylan, isn't it ridiculous that training camp starts next week and the season starts three weeks after that? You know, I never thought after three or four months or whatever of no basketball that I would, like, want another break. But, like, man, the season just ended and we had like three weeks and then there's free agency in the draft going crazy. And now in a matter of weeks, the season's starting again. It's like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know about it. It's definitely a lot to take in all at once. I mean, thankfully, right. I think I'm just far enough removed from it where this is okay. This will be the first off season of our lifetimes where we'll get to see the finished product of the off season. I mean, okay, I guess 2012 or 2011-12, the lockout year. This is going to be the first time since then we see the finished product of the off season very soon after the off season is finished. And I, for one, like the league is just going to look, it already looks so much different from two, like we said, like we said two weeks ago when we recorded last, when we recorded on November 11th, we said the league was going to look so much different two weeks from now. And guess what? We were right. We were right. And I mean, there's no more logical place to start than Hassan Whiteside to the Kings. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) We'll get to Hassan Whiteside. We have a lot of words for the Kings. But Dylan, I'll let you choose where you want to start. Where do you want to start with this offseason roundup? Okay, so I have a nice little list compiled here. And I think it ended up in alphabetical order. So the Atlanta Hawks top the list here. And it's a good team to start with because the Atlanta Hawks kind of balled out. I mean, like getting Danilo Gallinari and Bogdan Bogdanovich, I mean, who would have thought, you know? Like this is a team that we've talked about before. Like maybe they're going to just, you know, keep that young core. They're going to, you know, try to grow that group together and see what happens. But they're like, no, we got money to spend. You know, we got Trey Young. We're just going to pair him with some – you know, Gallo, you know, a great floor spacer. Uh, someone that's going to be a good, you know, good guy to play with a young point guard like Trey. And then Bogdan, who's, you know, probably going to push Kevin Herter to the bench, uh, which, you know, makes part of me sad, but it's probably for the best. Um, so, you know, I, uh, I'm i definitely giving them a good grade. And throwing Rondo and Chris Dunn is interesting is a word I would use. Um, I, you know, I don't hate it. And like the Chris Dunn is kind of interesting because they lost Bembry. So right. you could theoretically play that kind of role. And Bembry was like not huge for them, but he was a nice, you know, energy piece, good, good defensive energy guy off the bench who could even spot start here and there if there's injuries. So I don't hate the Chris Dunn signing. Um, him and Rondo probably should not share the floor at all, though. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm I'm giving the uh, I'm giving the Hawks a pretty good grade. 
And the the John Collins factor though is is going to be the thing to watch. Yeah. So I I just have one question about the Hawks offseason. Okay, Dylan, are you ready for this? I think it's a pretty simple question. How many guys in their top eleven guys can actually play defense? I count three, four if you count Rando in the playoffs. Four. So I count Chris Dunn, Cam Reddish, and Clint Capella. Right. And we know we okay. We know we know we know we know that a good center can make a good regular season defense, right? Or at least one average, right? A. We don't know how good Clint Capella is. We haven't seen him, you know, non rockets ever, and we haven't seen him in that capacity for a while. Um, B. <laughs> Cam Reddish is their only reliable wing defender. <laughs> and C. I you. <laughs> Chris Dunn. I don't know what you're going to do with Chris Dunn. I like he's an offensive zero. <laughs> so uh, those are, those are your problems, right? Those are your problems. And Cam Reddish, let me get this clear, okay? I think Cam Reddish is an enticing prospect with a lot of potential. He's also 20 years old. <laughs> he's 20 years old. Okay, DeAndre Hunter, sure. But, I mean, do we really know? <laughs> right? Do we really know? No. And... You have like four guys whose best position is the four. You got two guys who could play. I mean, three guys who could probably are going to want to compete for five minutes, right? Because Gallo should probably play some five, especially in the East. This team to me is going to be one of the most fun regular season teams in recent memory. I, do, you, do you see any way where they win a playoff game? <laughs> um, you know... I'm a positive guy. <laughs> positive guy. So part of me thinks that they have a shot, but I'm thinking they're probably going to be matched up with the Milwaukee Bucks. And I'm just thinking of poor Trey Young having to guard Drew Holiday. Um, and and I'm not sure that's the matchup that would happen, but it, it, it scares me. you got to deal with the DJ me. Augustine. you got to deal with the DJ Augustine game one, too. You can never... That's we, don't right. know how, we don't know how Trey Young's going to stop that either. DJ Augustine has been the sole factor in the the magic being able to go up 1-0 two years in a row. The sole factor. He's honestly incredible in game ones. You got to give him that. You got to give him that. But in all seriousness, I think the, the Hawks are going to be, again, one of the best offensive teams. I mean, they should be scoring like – I don't think it's a stretch to say that they'll probably hit 120 a game, right? With the firepower they have just with Trey young alone, right? They were an average, like they were average offense. Now you have Gallo who was the second best player on a fifth seed in the Western conference. And you have Bogdan Bogdanovich who is, you know, good, right? (laughs) You need more good players. You move Kevin Herter into the eighth man, right? Reddish and Hunter. I don't know what you're going to do with that situation. That's fascinating because again, Hunter's best position is probably the four, right? Collins' best position is probably the four. Gallo's best position is definitely the four. So you have a lot of guys competing for a lot of positions. So I think that we could see this team start slow, and they'll they'll probably finish around 500, but 500 in the East is usually good enough for the playoffs. Yeah, I think at this moment, they're – like, I don't want to say they're a playoff lock, but they have a really good shot. Like – they're a better team than Orlando. That's for sure. They're a better team than Charlotte. They're a better team than Charlotte. 
Um, Washington, I'm not ready to say they're better than Washington yet because I don't know. I just feel something interesting cooking with Washington. Like we don't know was, how John Wall's like. We haven't seen healthy John Wall in like three years. Yeah, so the Wall factor is is what's interesting, and like I could see Washington being like a decent seventh or eighth seed, and I could also see them being the worst team in the East, depending on the track they want to take. Because they could very easily trade Wall, or not. I don't want to say very easily, but well, they could very easily trade Beal. And they could attempt to trade Wall. Um, so they could, you know, and losing Jan Mahimi, I mean, is obviously a tragic loss to their front court depth. And I don't, know proportions. They, I don't know if they can recover from that. I mean, that may be their nail in the coffin right there. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I mean, and they also traded Admiral Schofield. I mean, they, these are just, these are just moves that really compound into very, troubling outlooks on the future but okay okay, real quick real quick before you move on i know you were joking there but anytime you have a player named admiral i'd want to keep him like why the fuck not his name is admiral (laughs) and this is what i'm talking about (laughs) and and if you had okay jan mahimi like how many french guys do you acquire you know like the the french impact on the nba is very underrated I mean, and, it, it really is. <laughs> and, 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 you know, coming up in a couple – when we're talking about Charlotte here, another French player that just – they just let go. Like, what is the NBA doing right now? I just – and I believe Vincent Poirier – Poirier, is that his name? Is also French, and he's traded. Like, I don't know what is happening at the moment. The, there's obviously some sort of, of anti-France movement but you know that that's a whole nother podcast that we can get into. <laughs> but anyway, to less important things, I don't know what the hell the Wizards are going to be. That is not what we were talking about. But I mean, I could definitely see the Hawks being a playoff team. But I could also see them like, and again, like the John Collins factor is big because I don't see how you don't trade him. It's like you're yeah. gonna end up you're gonna end up benching someone that shouldn't be benched. Like Cam Reddish is so far away from being a good offensive player, but again, his defensive versatility is good enough where he should probably be playing. And DeAndre Hunter, like just the politics of it being the fourth overall pick last year, you know he can't fall out of the rotation. So I mean, where where does Collins go? Is he? I mean, you know. You can make him a backup center, but you just drafted a backup center. It's like that, you know. There, there's really just no place for him. So, and what whatever they flip him into could, you know, solidify where they end up. But who knows at this point? Yeah, because John Collins to me, like John Collins, apparently wants a max. From what mm-hmm. I've heard, John mm-hmm. Collins. No, no offense, no offense, John. Johnny boy. Can I call you Johnny boy? I don't care if I can or cannot. I'm going to do it anyway. Um, He is not worth the max at all. I mean, he's probably worth double digits, right? He's probably worth like 15, right? But then again, he had a PED suspension last year. He hasn't, I don't think he's played 82 games in any of the three years. And if he has, I mean, he might've gotten close one year. I don't have the basketball reference pulled up, but back to Cam Reddish real quick. Cause Cam did not have a good 2019, right? But in 2020, from January till March, this is a 27-game sample size. So it's not particularly small. 
So we averaged 13 points on 44.5% from the field, 39.7 from three, 83 from the foul line. That's a start. I mean, for 27 games, that's like a quarter of the season. So, and he obviously didn't get to finish the season. I am buying all of the Cam Reddish stock that anyone wants to sell, right? But that being said, <laughs> the defense situation in Atlanta is putrid. Putrid. I. Uh, <laughs> uh, that being said, I can't. Even if Washington is fully healthy, I think Wall needs time to figure it out. So I would probably favor. I'd probably favor Atlanta over Washington. I'd probably, if I was going to rank them, okay, I'd go Atlanta, Washington, Charlotte, Orlando. Which is funny. They're all in the. They're all in the southeastern division. And then all the shitty teams are in the central division. Because <laughs> you got, so, okay, the Bulls suck. Who else sucks in the central? The Pistons suck and the Cavs suck. And then that's the Knicks at the Knicks. Those are your four shittiest teams in the, the conference. So I don't know. Atlanta's definitely to me first round and out potential. But I mean, with this group, I feel like you would grow. And plus, let's talk about Trey Young real quick. Because I think that this is the most important factor of this. He averaged 30 and 9 last year with us with Vince Carter playing significant minutes. Okay. I think that there's a potential he scores like a couple less points a game and averages more assists. Right? He was shooting a lot because he needed to shoot a lot. I think in this system, I think that there's a chance that Trey could thrive. Yeah, and having Clint Capella is gonna be really nice too. Like, because I, I'm not sure people recognize how good of a passer Trey is yet. Like, I'll just say this. He's he's a much better passer than he is a shooter. Right. That that is his his best skill is, is very clearly passing. And he's throwing lobs to John Collins from 30 feet out. Like Clint Capella was playing with James Harden catching lobs, you know, like this is what he does. And and Trey Young wasn't really getting great screens either in the you know last year. So he's probably gonna be getting some better pick and roll uh with Clint Capella, hopefully healthy. Um so I mean that alone is gonna open things up. And again, like Clint Capella is gonna probably play a similar role that he played in, in uh Houston. And they're gonna have shooting around the perimeter. Clint Capella is a is a decent like short roll passer, so um I'm I'm definitely interested to see what he unlocks because when he plays with a, a ball handler like that, and I, you know James Harden and Trey Young are on the same level, but they're both elite ball handlers and pick and roll. So uh, I'm definitely interested just starting with those two and building out how that how that offense operates. Okay, so before we move on, all right, I'm just gonna read to you. The eight guys that played the most games for the Hawks last year, okay? You'll see where I'm going with this once I get to a certain level, right? DeAndre Hunter played the most games last year. He played all the games that they played in it, it looks like, or pretty close to it. Um, Trey Young was second with 60, tied with Vince Carter. Cam Reddish was fourth. Kevin Herter was fourth. Bruno Fernando was sixth. (laughs) Damian Jones was seventh. DeAndre Bembry was eighth. You, You see where I'm going with this now, right? Is that... Trey Young averaged 9.3 assists playing with those guys. <laughs> those guys. Imagine how many he's going to get just from Gallo and fucking Capella. I just imagine that level. 
So I think that Trey's going to, we're going to see a boost from him this year. Right. And the defense is still going to be bad. Let's, let's not act like it won't be, but man, man, that offense is going to be so much fun. Hey, I mean, we've seen plenty of teams that they don't like need defense. You know, they're, they're outscoring teams and you know, you can't rely on that every night. Like you can a defense most of the time, but Hey, if you can put 130 up at the drop of a hat, I mean, there's going to be games where you're not going to need much defense. That's how, like, if you look at the Mavericks point differential last year, that's literally what they did. <laughs> they had like an eight point point differential because they were, they had an average defense with like the best offense of all time. I don't think the Hawks can have the best offense of all time. I think the Hawks could have a, a legitimately elite offense. And if they could play, if they can have the, even the 20th ranked defense, they're in the playoffs. I, I don't think there's a doubt about that. Yeah, and, and going back to the Washington thing, I was just thinking about how they're probably going to start Rui Hachimura and Thomas Bryant. So that's that's terrible. I mean, hey, the Wizards, is- the Wizards signed Robin Lopez. They, they're probably... Uh, I, I, I like Robin, but I don't know. Not in 2020. He's a 2015 player. Yeah. Agreed with that. But let's, since we spent way too much time in Atlanta, (laughs) let's move on to the Celtics. Um, They added Tristan Thompson and Jeff Teague, and they lost Gordon Hayward, who will bring up (laughs) with the next team, Brad Wanamaker and Enos Cantor. Um, So on the net, they obviously lost a big guy in Hayward. But how do you like their team compared to what they were last year? Well, See, it's tough because we've been wanting them to get Tristan Thompson for like a year, like pretty, like quite literally a year. We have been talking about this both privately and on these airwaves. So when I saw that, it really felt like everything came together for like the perfect pairing. Like that he is the exact center that they needed, or he was at least in the group of the exact center they needed with favors and Ibaka, like any of those three would have been awesome. And they got one. So you can't be mad. And then they signed Jeff Teague and it's like, what the fuck, man? I mean, like, I just like, I actually don't know if I'd rather have Jeff Teague over Brad Wanamaker. And I'm actually leaning towards not wanting that. Um, I'm not and, a member of the Jeff Teague fan club. Let's make that clear. So we're, you're not talking to an, to an unbiased audience here. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he was great for that Atlanta team, you know, under Bud. But, like, it's it's over. And not I'm not saying Brad Wanamaker was, like, a very useful player. Like, he was not – he was not very good. And, like, there's many, there's many backup point guards they could have added that I would have been like, okay, that's an upgrade but I don't think Jeff Teague's one of them. And as they showed in the playoffs, like their depth was a problem. Yeah. And losing Hayward and making Jeff Teague a very valuable bench piece for you. I don't, I I don't know how good I'm going to feel about them when the playoffs come around, unless they're making a trade at some point. Yeah. Because they're still going to rely way too much on semi Ojale. Yeah. It's their bench is really it's putrid. That's like the word for it, right? Like I use that word with Atlanta's defense, but it's putrid. It's really going to be horrible. This would have been a good pickup in 2017, right? Yeah, this would have been a good signing in like 
you know, however many years ago, but it's it's not that year anymore. And Jeff Teague to me, okay, this is no offense to Jeff Teague, right? I've never, <laughs> I say no offense, I'm going to say something very offensive. I've never liked you as a player, okay? But I'll admit you were good, right? You were, you were a good player, but you age fast as a point guard, especially one that comes in in his early 20s. And he's just not that anymore. And yeah, he could probably score better than Wanamaker, right? Which is probably the logic, right? But why not just stagger? <laughs> why not just stagger Kemba and Jason, right? And just side like some actual wings <laughs> for your backups instead of having to play Jalen and Jason 40 minutes a game each, which is what they're going to have to do in the playoffs, right? I think in that Toronto series, they were playing like 44 minutes a game, which I mean is fine for like a playoff series, but not for the second round. I don't know if you want that in the second round. Yeah, and the thing is, like, you have Kemba, and, like, he's going to get abused on the on defense. And when Kemba's getting abused on defense, you don't want to look – you don't want to be Brad Stevens looking over your bench and be like, oh, shit, the only guy I can put in to replace him is Jeff Teague. The same thing is going to happen. And, like, luckily for them – when you have Marcus Smart, Jason Tatum, and Jalen Brown, like you have a ton of defensive flexibility, you can switch on the you know the best guard and all that. But you still don't want to have two tiny guards that get killed on pick and rolls. I mean, right. or on screens. I mean, it's just and again, Stevens is a great coach. Like he's figured these kind of things out before, but I just don't know. I'm kind of I'm just worried about some of these things. So they got to be banking on rapid improvement from Grant Williams and from Romeo Langford, right? That's that's what they have to be banking on because otherwise it doesn't make sense. But I think Romeo has really solid defensive potential. I will say that he didn't play a lot last year, but he's a really like he played good defense when he played. And Grant Williams, you know, you know, I love Grant Williams. This is a, this unabashed Grant Williams. <laughs> love over here but I those guys have to step up big next year because if they don't they're they're fucked you know to put it put it bluntly they're fucked if those two don't step up and those those are the guys they need I just I don't think they will yeah and I love Grant too but he was terrible offensively this past year Mm -hmm. and you know he was a rookie and he's he's undersized for the four honestly like I think he's like, is he six seven or six eight? He's probably undersized for the three at this point. Yeah, he's very small. He's six and, six. Okay, yeah. So he's essentially like a smaller Montrez Harrell. Like he's and, and Montrez Harrell. I mean, he's been able to hold up, but we saw him get abused by Jokic. Like, there's just certain matchups that you're going to see in the playoffs where you can't avoid. Like the size is too much to overcome. And again, Grant is like he's a very smart defender. Like I think that's the like the if I had to describe him in one way, it would be he's a smart defender. Like he's very instinctual. He he makes up for his lack of quickness and size by just being smart, being in the right place at the right time, having active hands, you know, all those fundamental things that you like. But again, when you're six freaking six you're going to be put in a box in some way. And if you're also coming up short on the offensive end, it's, it's tough. And, and, you know, maybe he has a nice second year leap, but like you said that he pretty much has to, 
which is their problem. Right. And they're they're banking on development from guys. Right. And the two draft picks they made, they sound like good shooters. But I mean, are they I should ask Caleb about this. Um, go check out our draft pod. We received good feedback on that. But um, you should ask him about the Celtics guys. But they could have had a guy that fi- fixed one of their problems. Desmond Bain. Right. Like what Caleb told me about Desmond Bain, which, by the way, I got me like, you know, I love the Grizzlies unabashedly <laughs> had a great offseason, but man, that Desmond Bain draft pick, it sounds like it fixes their only hole. Right. And you know what, you know what that means? That that means Dylan, it means it would have fixed the same damn hole for the Celtics. Okay. <laughs> that, that's what that means. Right. If that was a hole for the Grizzlies, right. Having a three and D wing, well, then why the hell didn't Boston draft this guy? Why they had three chances. They had three chances, right? And we saw this last year with Brandon Clark, right? A lot of teams got way too, like, you know, oh, oh, he's too old, whatever. I think it's, Dylan, the way it sounds, it sounds like it's going to be the same exact damn thing. It sounds like it's going to be the same thing with Brandon Clark. And it's like, oh, the Grizzlies got this guy. (laughs) He was team too old, but he was the 30th pick in the first round. And he's going to be a contributor for them in his first year. And it's like, why not just do that? (laughs) But it just doesn't make sense. But Thompson for them fills the need of having a big guy. And we talked ad nauseum about, about Thompson on this podcast, but I mean, just really, really, I mean, if Thompson, hell, he doesn't even have to defend on the perimeter the same way. Just having that down low defense isn't, I'd say enough is enough for Boston. Yeah. I mean, that starting five is, is awesome. Like that's one thing you can't overlook. And just because of that starting unit, they're going to have a top three record in the East, probably. They're, I'd say the best starting lineup in the league. Yeah, that's probably correct. I'd have to do some thinking, but that's probably, yeah, that's probably right. Um, but again, <laughs> this is a, this is a, you know, we're talking about finals contention for them. So it's not enough. Yeah. And, and, you know, I don't, and the thing is with the trades is like, I don't even know unless they want to give up a first, like, I don't know where they're getting a trade from because they don't have money to send out anymore. All these guys on the bench are on rookie deals or just small deals. It's like that. That was one thing that was nice about having Hayward is that's a contract to flip. But now, it's like if you want to if you want to make a big trade, you got to get rid of Marcus Smart. And it's like I don't think, you know, you get rid of Marcus Smart and that just creates another hole. So that that was one thing for me, right? The Celtics apparently didn't want to do the Pacers trade, right? Which was off, which was reported about a lot, because they didn't want Miles Turner. And the question is why? Because even if you don't want Miles Turner, <laughs> Miles Turner is 20, 24. <laughs> he can block shots and he can make threes. Someone is going to want that. What? But Danny Ainge, okay. And this is going to be another rant before we move on to the next team. And surely there's another rant. But Danny Ainge is the most, oh, I almost made the trade GM in the league, right? He's the most like, oh, Oh, you should have seen what I almost did, right? I almost traded for Kawhi. I almost traded for Anthony Davis. I almost blah, 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 blah. Shut up and do something. I'm I'm sick of it. Like, just shut up and fucking do something. Oh, you had all these Brooklyn picks. Oh, you had all these Brooklyn picks, and you got Kyrie. That's great. What about all those other trades you were supposed to make? What about Anthony Davis, right? 
just all this shit. I'm sick of it. <laughs> I'm sick of him because he has his whole little PR team. You know, I'm not going to name names because what a job in this industry, but I'm not going to like, he has a whole little, like, I'm just not going to name names. Cause you know, some of these people might be able in a position to hire me. <laughs> you, I think you, you're catching my drift here. I just, the Danny Ainge PR network pisses me off. I'm just, I'm just going to say it. I just, I mean, we heard about Anthony Davis for like a year and a half. It was like a hundred percent going to happen. And we a hundred percent did not happen. We saw what Kawhi was traded for, right? Eventually. Why not just, I'd rather have one year. Uh, this is, I know this is crazy to say, right? Cause I love him as a player. I would rather have one year Kawhi over Jalen Brown's future. I'm just going to say it. I'm just going to say, I'd rather like, right. We saw what he did in Toronto. Why couldn't he have done that in Boston? Just why? Why couldn't he have done that in Boston? And, you know, you could say whatever, whatever, chemistry, Kyrie, whatever, right? But you gotta, you got to at least shoot your shot. You saw what he was traded for. Like, he was traded for DeMar DeRozan. Are you telling me you couldn't have upped the offer with Jalen Brown? I mean, what? It was DeMar DeRozan, Jakob Pertl, and a first-round pick? That's it? You had like first round picks in reserve. It just, it makes me mad. It makes me mad. Let's move on to the next team before I continue ranting. <laughs> it's we're going to move on to the Charlotte Hornets. They only, they only did one thing and they added Gordon Hayward and what they lost. If they go through with doing this route is they lost the next five years of cap space by stretching Nicholas Batum. So Dylan, I'm going to give you the floor here. Cause I, I know you have something to say about this Gordon Hayward signing for Charlotte. <laughs> It's just like, why? It's just why? Like they, okay. So 2016, you make the playoffs for the first time in 50 years. And you're like, wow, this feels nice. Almost beating the heat. It felt nice. It felt nice to give the heat uh, a little run. A heat team that wasn't even that good, by the way. It really felt good to give uh, Hassan Whiteside a run for his money. So we're going to run it back, baby. We're signing. We got, you know, we got a $40 million bump in cap space. We're giving Marvin Williams the bag. We're giving Cody Zeller the bag. Bismack Biombo was in there at some point. Uh, I mean, like, what? just why? And... And you know, like bringing Mitch or is Mitch Kupchak? He's he's there. He's the GM. Is Rich Cho still there? No, he is not there. He left whenever he Kupchak was, was brought old. in. He was the old guy. Okay, he was the guy that gave those guys all the contracts. But let's let's real quick. Let's real quick. Let's refresh the audience, okay? And what Mitch Kupchak's recent resume was before taking the Charlotte job. There's these two little contracts you might have heard about in Los Angeles that they have had a little bit of trouble shedding. These two guys, one of them is very close to my heart. Luval Deng and Timothy Mozgov. He gave them a combined like $140 million. That was what he did before he got fired in the genie bus ouster when he, she fired Jim and Mitch Kupchak. But continue. Yes, and that was also in that wonderful summer of 2016 where all the irresponsible rich people in the world were like, hey, let's give this kind of terrible basketball player $10 million more per year than he's worth. So, I mean, you, you just like, 
They give all that money to all those guys. You draft Frank Kaminsky at some point. It's like this is just a this is just a team that has an incredibly low ceiling. So you get to a point, and these are all four-year contracts. Nick Batum was signed for like five years, one hundred and twenty-seven million or something crazy like it was that. Crazy. Like he gets traded from Portland and has a pretty good year. Maybe it was a year and a half, and they're like, okay. Here's, you know, here's more money than you ever thought you'd make in your entire career. We're going to give it to you in the next five years. So, and, you know, instantly he starts falling off right after that, after this great year that a Nick Batum great season only gets you as a first round exit. They're like, okay, here's a five-year max pretty much. So thank you. Uh, And Nick Batum signed that contract. He fucking ran home. He's like, I hope they don't pull that back because that is a dumb contract. <laughs> like Nick Batum knew it was a dumb contract. And and they locked themselves into not making the playoffs. I mean, they haven't made the playoffs since then. And, you know, Kemba walks because they don't have any money. And, like, I don't know if he they wanted to give him the Supermax anyway, whether they had money or not. But, like <laughs> – if they gave Kemba the super max or even just a regular max, they were going to be a over the cap team that wasn't going to make the playoffs because they had built themselves such a terrible salary cap sheet. So now they're starting to clear it up. You know, Kemba's gone. They get Terry Rozier on. Marvin like, Williams is gone. Marvin Williams is gone. Like Terry Rozier is not a good player, but like the for the point guard market, I mean, he's overpaid. I'm going to say that, but he's not that far overpaid because just the, just the way that the point guard market works, like these guys get a lot of money. So, you know, I don't, I'm not going to kill them for that. And it was only a three-year deal. So whatever, but you know, they're, they're, they're starting to shed some money. They're starting to open things up. They got, you know, PJ Washington, Miles Bridges. You got some young guys in there, Devontae Graham. You're really building something maybe next summer or the summer after that. You got some money, you throw it at, you know, throw it at like a restricted free agent like Bogdan, like not him, but like someone like that, they could really fit in, fit the timeline. And then Mitch Kupchak, you like, you know what? I want to sell some tickets to fans that can't even fucking come to our games this year. Let's sell some, some uh, theoretical tickets right now. Let's get Gordon Hayward. I mean, what the fuck? So now... They are, an, again, they are an over-the-cap team that is probably not going to make the playoffs. And if they do, they're like a seventh seed at best, first-round exit. And, you know, he doesn't fit the timeline at all. Like, their older players are, are you know, Cody Zeller. I don't know if he's going to be there or not. But, I mean, it's like, it's just why. It's it boggles the mind for sure. I don't think I can add anything that you didn't say. Um, I think I will say I'd rather have Gordon Hayward on this contract than Kemba Walker on a max as crazy as it is to say. Yes. I mean, he fits a lot. Kemba fits a lot better on the Celtics than he ever would on this shitty, this shitty Hornets team. Um, I second your opinion that Terry Rozier is not very good at basketball. I think when you're a guard and your best asset is your rebounding, that is a major <laughs> red flag. Um, I honestly just don't know why they didn't trade for Russell Westbrook. It would have just made more sense on literally every front. You would have been a better team. 
you just you just everything would have been better, right? Like the team would have been better. You wouldn't you would have given up the Nick Batum contract instead of having to stretch it, which is what it's looked like is going to happen. I mean, best case scenario, they trade that they trade the Nick Batum contract with the first round pick next year into OKC's trade exception, right? Which it honestly actually fits perfectly. But still, you shouldn't have backed yourself into a corner like this. Just shouldn't have. Just you shouldn't have backed yourself into a corner like this. And Charlotte is just a shitty organization that's going to stay shitty for the rest of time. <laughs> it's like, would you do shitty moves like this, right? You deserve to stay shitty. That's really the, the crux of what, I mean, I think you would agree with that. That's basically the crux of what you're saying, right? Is when you make shitty moves, is that you are going to be shitty <laughs> for the rest of your, like for the next five years. For the next five years, and Lamelo Ball is probably going to leave after, like, in the middle of his second contract. Like, every I can feel like everyone just knows this, right? Why the hell would he want to play in Charlotte in the first place? Why? Why? Like, if LeBron James was drafted to Charlotte, do you think he's making it to 2010? In, no. <laughs> in <laughs> in Charlotte, he's not making it to 2010, right? If Dwayne Wade, if whoever, right? All these guys that value loyalty right they wouldn't have valued loyalty then to that shitty organization so i don't mind the swing for the fences right in that sense but this swing for the fences is gonna at best you're gonna get a a double where you it's really close right where you just barely beat the throw worst case scenario is you fly out you infield fly roll (laughs) so I mean, I, I guess there's nothing wrong with a double, but I mean, if you're going for the home run and you end up with a double, that's always that's always disappointing. I mean, I understand it from the standpoint that like, not, like no matter what you do, nothing really matters anyway, because you know Charlotte's not winning the finals anytime soon, and unless you want to just completely bottom out and be like a bottom five team for the next few years to just get you know go Sixers mode. I mean, you, you know, it, it's like there's a lot of these these small market teams that just kind of have to do stuff like that. If you have an opportunity to sign a name player, and Gordon Hayward is over the hill, and, like, I don't know how much of a name he even is anymore. But, I mean, I understand it from the point where, you know, your fan base is hanging on by a thread at this point. Like, you know, I mean, the, there is, I guess, some excitement with Lamelo Ball going there, but I don't know. I mean, you know, you can you can sell Lamelo Ball and Gordon Hayward, I guess. So, okay, real quick, because let's move on to the next team, because I feel like we've exhausted all our Charlotte opinions, as sad as it is to say. I'll say real quick before I move on to the point I want to make. Miles Bridges, it seems like they want to trade him, and I don't know why the hell they would want to do that. Um, it's fucking stupid. But then again, as we've established, <laughs> everything this team does is fucking stupid. So I guess you can't expect someone who always makes fucking stupid moves to not be fucking stupid. Okay, on to the point I want to make. So everyone's like, oh, Gordon Hayward's only a one-time All-Star, only a one-time All-Star. Let's not act like he probably wouldn't have been an All-Star the two years that he was you know, injured and coming back from injury if he was healthy, right? That was a fluke injury. And, of course, it was going to take him some time to come back from it. I'll bet you he puts up solid numbers in Charlotte, right? Like, I could bet you he probably puts up similar numbers to what he put up in Utah in Charlotte. Now, will it have the same impact? Oh, God, no. But 
And was he on a kind of a loaded Utah team? Yes. Yes, he was. That also similarly slotted in Donovan Mitchell <laughs> and made <laughs> the playoffs the very next year. But I digress. I I just see people sliding Gordon Hayward like that and like, oh, you know, the ultimate con. Like, no, Gordon Hayward is good. He was a top 25 player in the NBA. Now, take that for what it's worth, right? But let's not act like this guy wasn't a good player. Let's not act like he was some scrub who's just screwing teams over because, you know, <laughs> this white guy can play a little bit of basketball. No, he's good. He's good. Yeah, I mean, he's he's still good. And, like, you know, the idea of, like, a rehab Gordon Hayward season with a new team is a little exciting because on that Boston team, I mean, he came back as, like, the fourth option. I mean, he – you know, and he he's a guy that can fit in on most teams because he's such a good passer um, and he's a pretty good off ball shooter. But, um, you know, having the ball in his hands more in Charlotte is going to help uh, restore some of his name recognition in the league, I think. Yeah, and I, I agree with that for sure. I mean, Charlotte probably tops out. We're this is an 82 game season, obviously, but projecting like 82 games, they probably win 35 games, and that's what that's just what Charlotte does. But I thought Charlotte was kind of good this year. I mean, not good, but like bottom of the Eastern Conference, good, <laughs> right? Like, I didn't think they sucked. I thought they were probably better than Washington. Like, Washington had the worst defense I'd ever seen. <laughs> I didn't think Charlotte was that bad, so. I don't know. I thought, like, I I think a lot of people, reasonable, reasonable people would agree that Charlotte was probably better than Washington. But that being said, I don't know why Washington was invited to the bubble. It just didn't ever make sense to me. They weren't – it was a miracle that they won a game, personally. Um, that being said, let's move on to our next team, the Dallas Mavericks. They gained Josh Richardson. James Johnson and Wes Ubuntu. I'm not exactly sure how to say his name. I'm not a big Wes guy. I'm just, I'm going to call you Wes, but cause that's cause I don't really give a shit about the magic. Um, <laughs> and then they lost Seth Curry and DeLon Wright, which I mean, under, understandable. Where did DeLon Wright go? He went to Detroit, didn't he? Yes. Yeah. And, I mean, I can't wait to talk about Detroit. Yeah, they were fucking stupid. Um, But let's talk about Dallas. I think it's safe to say that Dallas, Dallas really improved, right? Like even just with Josh Richardson and Wes Wundu is a candidate for Lee's Orlando and becomes suddenly good guy, which happens pretty much every year. And then James Johnson, um, I don't know. He's there to do some, to do some martial arts, mixed martial arts. Um, How did, how did you like Dallas's off season? I mean, getting Richardson alone, I love, 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 love. I mean, getting Josh Richardson for Seth Curry in a second-round pick is a freaking steal. And I love Seth Curry. Like, I, I've i wanted the Pacers to sign Seth Curry for, like, the past three off-seasons. Like, every time he's available, I want the Pacers to sign him. So, and he was, like, he's, like, the perfect guy to play with Luka, too. And, you know, he, he was pretty damn good for them in the playoffs when they were giving the Clippers a run. Um, but, again, like, if you can – swapping swapping him out with – or for Richardson is a steal. And and I just think – I think the Sixers are dumb. 
I mean, we've, we talked about this in the past two podcasts about how the Sixers really need, if they put Josh Richardson on the bench and have him be their bench handler, they're going to be a much better team because not only are you putting another shooter on the floor with Simmons and Embiid, that's just going to be a pure shooter like Shake Milton or something like that. Uh, you're going to push Richardson to, Richardson to the bench who is going to be able to become more of himself and not just be an off ball guy, which again is not who he is. Like we saw in Miami when he was there. And then we saw in the playoffs when Ben Simmons got hurt, as soon as Ben Simmons got hurt, Josh Richardson stepped up and was like really good when he had the ball in his hands. So it, it's pretty clear that like, that's, that's the type of role he should be playing. And for them to just trade him for a shooter, I just didn't like it. Um, not to say I, I'm not going to like Seth Curry there, but I don't know. Like, I feel like they could have very easily just changed the role for Richardson and they would have been a lot better off. So I don't think you said anything wrong there, but I definitely see the logic from the 76er side. Just because <laughs> that team was – okay. So to use an analogy here, okay, I'm really going. I'm really pulling out all the Colin Cowherd stops today. The 76ers last year, right, were a team that was built like your first graders art project, right? Just a bunch of glue strewn all over the place. You know, nothing really fits together unless your first grader is like Van Gogh or something like that, right? But odds are, no offense. I don't think anyone will take offense to this. Your first grader is likely not Van Gogh, right? And you end up helping them with the art project. This seems to be what's going on with the 76ers, right? And I, again, I can't find anything that you said wrong, right? Like Seth Curry is demonstrably a worse player than Josh Richardson. That being said, I think I would rather Josh, I would rather Seth Curry be in Philadelphia than Josh Richardson just because of the shooting, right? You actually have to respect the guys, right? We saw, we saw in 2017, right? Was it 2017 or was it 2018? I lose track of the years at this point, but Marco Bellinelli and Ersan Ilyasova. Okay. If they can thrive with those two in JJ Redick, I would rather have Danny Green and Seth Curry, you know, as crazy as it is to say, right? Like Danny Green, obviously, you know, has been falling off, but teams are still scared of him. Like you can't, like, I know you, I know you hate to admit it, but you can't deny it. Teams are still scared of Danny Green. And I just would like to see, I would like to see this lineup, right? But yes, in a vacuum, absolutely rather have Josh Richardson than, than Curry. But I, again, I can see the logic, even if I don't 100% agree with it. I can understand that. But at the same time, just from a value perspective, they lost the trade. You know what oh, I yeah. mean? Like, I don't, I don't understand how... Seth Curry in a second equals Josh Richardson. I just don't see that. I feel like you could have gotten PJ Tucker for Josh Richardson. I just, I select yeah, someone like that. Probably, you probably could have, yeah. Like someone on that level. I, I definitely agree with you that the 76ers lost the trade, but I think that Seth Curry, by being just someone who can hit the open shots 
And we saw, like, his ball handling is better, right? Yeah. I, again, I'm finding it hard to dispute anything you're saying. (laughs) Which, I just don't think it's that bad, right? I think it's bad. I don't think it's that bad, if that makes sense. I mean, it's not like... It's not like they're dead for this move. Like they, they got a good player. Like that's undeniable. Yeah. Like they got a good player, so they're fine. But like I'm just looking at their depth chart right now, and I don't know who. I mean, again, like I like Shake Milton a lot. He was one of my like more underrated players in that draft. Um, like I thought he was gonna be a good player. Like because you know, not that I'm watching a ton of Southern Methodist University basketball go Mustangs, but I mean, like, it was just interesting to look because if you look at his last season there, they were like a good team with him on the floor and he got hurt and missed the rest of the season and they were completely awful. And not that college completely translates over, but it just showed like the type of of talent he had that he could literally carry like, and again, SMU is not a, you know, a powerhouse or anything. But for him to just like completely carry a college basketball team to a good record, like I thought that said a lot about him. And like he he reminded me a lot of George Hill. Like I thought he could be one of those combo guards that maybe he's not a starter, but like he's a really good six guy. Like I I like him a lot, and he showed a lot last year. But at the same time, him being basically your only ball handling option off the bench, I just worry about that. And I mean, there's always some, there's always some, you know, he could play with Simmons. He could play with Embiid. So he doesn't have, you know, all of the weight on his shoulders, but like taking Richardson out of there um, and even taking Horford out of there, like there's just less guys you can just give the ball to now and have them do stuff. Like having Danny Green and Matisse Thibel on on the floor at the same time, I mean, that's going to be worrisome. Like there's going to be issues. If you give the the ball to those guys, they're not just going to be able to create a shot. Um, And obviously the team of last year needed changes like that. I mean, we talked, we've talked about this for a long time. They needed changes, Um, but getting rid of Horford and Richardson and not getting a good ball handler back. I mean, they're going to come into some, they're going to come into some issues there. I mean, it's those are all those are all well taken points. Um, it's funny we wanted to talk about the Mavericks in this section. We ended up talking more about the Sixers. Um, let's let's go back to the Mavericks because I think the Richardson fit with Luca is phenomenal, right? Because you bump one of hard like either you have Richardson coming off the bench, or you bump one of Finney Smith or Hardaway to the bench. In either way, it, okay, so. I know I've I know I've been saying I have had memory issues lately. You know what I do remember? I remember both of us agreeing that Dallas's biggest need was to upgrade that Josh Jackson spot. I think it's safe to say, with a three-man wing trio of Richardson, Hardaway Jr., and Finney Smith, I think it's safe to say that those that trio, you don't need to play Justin Jackson anymore. Like, you don't need that kind of guy as your eighth man anymore. And that's huge. That's huge because I think this makes Dallas so much better on both ends. So much better. 
Yeah, and it's funny because we were talking about like upgrading Jackson to like Justin Holiday, <laughs> right? And like, and and you know, obviously they lost Seth Curry in the process, but going from that kind of guy to Josh Richardson is amazing. And really, if you really think about it, they already they upgraded over Justin Jackson with Wes Awundu. So like, <laughs> like they, I mean, they already they already improved that, and they got they got Josh Richardson. So. And I'm not completely convinced that James Johnson won't play a role. I mean, he he might not. Like, he may just end up getting cut or traded at some point. But I don't know. Like, I, I could see him being, like, wanting to play Luca's bodyguard out there or something. The Mavericks are veteran heaven. Like, if I was just a, a fledged, like, a guy that was, like, failing in the league, I would just want to go to Dallas. Like that, they just, that, That's what's bringing me in. It's like, I could see Karloff finding something for James Johnson. Like Monte Ellis, Darren Williams, um, just so many guys, right? The only, funny enough, the only guy that they couldn't get to buy in was Rondo. Um, I'm not going to talk about that situation right now. Um, I think Dallas is a lot better, but I just given how everyone else improved, and we'll talk about them, I don't know how much of a jump they can make. I could see them like jumping from seven to six, but I don't really see them as a top five team. I think Utah, it's okay. Here's the teams off the top of my head that are better this year, right? And if Luca's wait, if he takes another leap, then this is irrelevant and they'll be a top four seed. But right now, obviously the two LA teams are better. I think Portland is better. Denver is better. I think Utah is better. That's five teams right there. And with Harden still there, you could make a case that they're still going to win a lot of regular season games with Harden and Westbrook there. So now I, we don't know what they're going to do, right? We don't know if they're going to play, right? They're getting paid $40 million. I would have to imagine they're going to play, especially Westbrook, right? I can see Westbrook demanding a trade and still playing through it. But like, I could see Dallas being a better team and still finishing seventh, as crazy as it is to say. I can understand that. Um, cause I think, you know, after the LA teams, it's pretty close for like the rest of the playoff teams, honestly, right. like there's not going to be too many, like, I wouldn't be shocked if like the three and eight seeds are like four games apart or even less, you know, like the, those, there's a lot of close teams there. Um, and I think I do tend to agree that like the Denver and Portland are probably better, but again, like Luca and I, I think Chris Stapps is going to miss like a month. I think I saw, right. um, obviously he's going to come back and not be great, but they, they have great depth. So like, and they're going to get Dwight Powell back. So like, I wouldn't be shocked if they're better than both of those teams, honestly. And we're going to, we're going to talk Denver up next. I, I think Denver may have taken a small step back, um, just with some of the depth pieces they lost, but I mean, it, it wouldn't be it wouldn't shock me if, like you said, they take a small leap or if they end up being like the third best team. I don't know. Yeah, it like I said, this all depends on how much Luca improves, right? Because if Luca becomes <laughs> right, if Luca continues on this LeBron James trajectory, then they will probably be a top three seed this year because. LeBron's third year, if I'm not mistaken, or was it the fourth year? I think it was the fourth year was when they made the finals, but LeBron was winning playoff series in his third year still. Like, he was getting to the second round when he was 20. (laughs) So, 
And I mean, Luca, I'm not, again, I'm not saying he's LeBron, but he's on the LeBron trajectory, right? Right. Where he's going to be probably like, if he keeps this up for a whole career for 15 years and he wins multiple championships, he's a top 10 player of all time. Like this is how top 10 players start their careers, right? This is how Kevin Durant started his career. This is how LeBron James started his career, so on and so forth. Go down the list. Kobe, right? Kobe is the only exception actually, but Duncan, Bird, all these guys came out of the gate scoring 20 points a game. So uh, if he takes a jump, then the rest of the NBA should be fucking scared. (laughs) Even LeBron. Like the way that Luka stepped to the Clippers, right? A significantly better team. That kid has balls. And that's like something that like can't be measured by stats, but he's got like, he's got it right. Nobody knows what it is, but everybody knows it when they see it. (laughs) And that that was the thing about that team. Like that series made me think it's like, if they get one more piece, they are a finals contender. And I don't know if Josh Richardson's that piece, but like when you watch Luca and all we talked about all year with the Clippers was they have the best perimeter defense in the league because they have Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, they didn't. They couldn't guard Luca. Mm-hmm. I mean, that said it all to me. And like, they couldn't guard Kristaps either. Of course, he got hurt. But like, I mean, if Kristaps didn't get hurt, they could have probably they could have won that series. I mean, they really could have. Yeah, and obviously the Clippers had issues in the bubble, but still, like, I would have probably taken like the way that Luca played. <laughs> It's just ridiculous. And that was his first playoff series. So I'm I'm excited to see the future. But let's move on. Let's move on to the conference finals team. The Denver Nuggets. They lost. <laughs> they lost Jeremy Grant and Tory Craig. And who else did they lose? And Mason Plumley. But they gained Michael Green and they kept Paul Millsap. So um just what did you think of Denver's offseason? Let's let's just start there with the basic question. Well, so we were texting about Jamichael Green, who I have liked for years ever since he was in Memphis. Um, I mean, that's a good get for them. That's a good get. But the fact that they lost Grant and Mason Plumey worries me because, I don't know, like is Bull Bull their backup center now? Uh, I mean, and like Bull Bull has showed some potential, but like he's uh, he's probably not ready even just to be a backup. And, like, Mason Plumley played a very defined role there. Like, as weird as it is to say, I actually think Mason Plumley may end up being the bigger loss than Jeremy Grant mm. because I think you could probably replace a decent amount of what Jeremy Grant did with Jermichael Green. I think Jeremy Grant's way better than Jermichael Green, but just from a role standpoint, Jermichael Green could probably fill 75% of those shoes. But Mason Plumley was, like – um, he was like a Jokic, like very light. Like he was a very light version of Jokic where he could handle the ball a little bit and, you know, run a dribble handoff, pass to cutters. So you could keep a similar type of offense. It's obviously not going to be as concentrated on the center, but he could kind of keep the flow going that they had with Jokic on the floor. So the drop-off that you would usually see from a superstar to the the backup wasn't as dramatic just because of the play style. And when you lose that guy, it's like, I feel like their bench with like, or just when Jokic is off the floor, I feel like they're going to be more out of sorts and maybe they figure that out. But again, like who, who is the center? I mean, if bull bull is the center, that is not good. 
So, okay. I think Jermichael Green will probably play some center minutes. Like, right, they'll probably stagger it. I don't know if they'll start Millsap or if they'll start Green. Or they'll start Green at four. But I think whoever doesn't start at four will probably be the backup five, right? And I think Millsap transitioning to five might be good for his career anyway, right at this point. Try to get some of that, you know, value. And I think having him off the bench as a defensive guy and creator, I think that would probably offset some of his decline. Um, yeah, it's, again, another point that I can't really disagree with you on. <laughs> Even I think a lot, a lot alike, but I... That's a good point by you that Plumley at Plumley is kind of irreplaceable for them. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how they adjust. What I'm thinking is, okay, so they're gonna get Will Barton back, right? That kind of offsets the loss of Craig. Yeah. Even Craig to me was kind of like I'm gonna say, like, just based on social media, he was kind of overrated. <laughs> like I mean, okay, I'll just say from the the times that I like really went on my way to watch him in the playoffs, he was horrible. Like he was he was bad. Horrible. He like noticed the jump from when he was playing in the first five games of the Utah series to when he was able to get on the bench, <laughs> right? And part of that was that Gary Harris was a phenomenally big piece for their team, and he was missing, right? And part of that is that Tory Craig <laughs> just doesn't have. Like, I would have rather – I don't understand – okay, based on the contract that Minnesota gave him, I understand why they didn't keep Malik Beasley. But yeah. give me Malik Beasley seven days a week and twice on Sunday over Tory Craig. I Just plain and simple, he is a lot better player. <laughs> now, yes, obviously I don't want to pay him $60 million. Nobody does. Like, I don't even understand why Minnesota did it, frankly. But, I mean – Malik Beasley was a lot better than Torrey Craig. And I don't think enough people realize that. And then Jeremy Grant getting 20 million. <laughs> We're going to talk about the Pistons next. Golly, I do not match that at all. Like I understand, right? Jeremy Grant for 20 million. And it sounds like Denver was willing to offer him that much. Jeremy Grant apparently wanted a bigger role, which <laughs> is comical. Um <laughs> Like you, you okay? Let's talk about Jeremy Grant now, because this is the elephant in the room. Okay, this is the this is the sixty million dollar elephant in the room. So Jeremy Grant decides to go to Detroit because he wants a bigger role and he wants to be the number one guy on a team. Now, Jeremy's probably smart in realizing that he'll be the number one guy on the Pistons because they have fucking nobody on their team. <laughs> okay, I mean. I have not seen anything from Jeremy Grant that exhibits that he will able be able to be a number one guy on an offense, right? I think he was in a perfect role in Denver, right? He was, you know, able to play off the ball. He was able to attack closeouts, right, as the fourth option. When you're the fourth option, you're going to look a lot better than when you're the first option on a really shitty team. And that's what's going to happen to old Jeremy in, in Detroit, yeah, I mean, like, I don't, I don't know if you want this to be a smooth transition to Detroit. Let's let's just go ahead. Let's just go ahead. Um, so Jeremy Grant was in the perfect role in Denver, which is why I think I almost like, you know, an agent is supposed to do the best thing for their player, and usually that means getting them the most money. But if I'm Jeremy Grant's agent, whoever that person is, I'd be like, hold up. 
please, let, let's just talk about this, okay? We can still take the money if you want. But for the love of God, you are not getting a better contract. Like, the after this is over in Detroit, like, you're not making $20 million again. And because, like, well, first, let's just talk about this. Let's just talk about the big man rotation in, in Detroit. It's ridiculous. And, and I like I'm so passionately against the Detroit Pistons right now and their actions that like I want to start protesting. I don't know what how to do this. Like I don't know if I need to drive up to Detroit on a weekend or something. But like I I'm not even a Pistons fan. But like I want to start protesting because I don't understand what is happening. So let's look <laughs> and depth charts, you know, can be changed. But like but this is just funny to look at on ESPN, okay? So here's your starting five. Derek Rose, DeLon Wright, Jeremy Grant, Blake oh Griffin, Mason Plumley. Uh. So you have Derek Rose, who can't shoot, next to DeLon Wright, who I don't even know what he can do on offense at this point. He can uh, dribble a little bit. Okay. So that's that's your starting shooting guard. He can dribble a little bit, and he's a good defender. Jeremy Grant, who is playing small forward. Uh, Blake Griffin, and oh then no. and then Mason Plumley. What's their center rotation? What's their center rotation? So that's okay. what the people came to hear. That's what the people came this, to hear. This is the great part. So after Mason Plumley, you get the rookie Isaiah Stewart, who people say good things about. Caleb you said know, good things about him. It, okay, so. The place I can't shit on them is it seems like they had a good draft. So Killian Hayes, who is bringing the French Revolution back to the NBA, Viva la so, France. So what he's he is avenging uh, Vincent Poirier and Jan Mahimi and Nick Batum all all of these casualties that were very anti-France. Killian Hayes is here <laughs> to fix all of that. So for that, I am partially rooting for the Pistons because I do want the French revolution back in the NBA. Um, and then, so you get Isaiah Stewart after that. And then Sadiq Bay, who we talked about like Villanova guys just do good. So that's a good pick. Like, I don't have to know anything about you except that you're from Villanova. So he's good. I mean, those are three first rounders that are probably pretty good for them. So after Isaiah Stewart, you have the infamous Jaleel Okafor, So, <laughs> poor guy. All he did was play basketball and go 105 and a 45. That's all. That's all Julio Okafor wanted to do. I'm just. I'm looking. I just have a headache. So Wayne Ellington is also on this team. Somebody Josh say some threes. Josh Jackson. <laughs> I forgot about the Josh Jackson one. <laughs> uh, Rodney Magruder is also on this team. We know we know uh, Zanya and Musa was there after they traded Bruce Brown for some reason. Legitimately, him or TJ Leaf is the worst player in the NBA. I can't decide which one, but I'm I'm leaning towards Musa. Yeah, and also a big TJ Leaf trade, which we probably won't discuss. But uh, huge, it's, it's earth shattering. <laughs> it's it, it was. It was honestly shocking that they it, were able to trade him, but like that is legitimately shocking. And all it took was a sec to the attach a second round pick. He TJ Leaf sucks, and I, I, I listen. I'm not going to say it to his face because he's big and he can beat me up. But I, I would say it near his face. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yes, he's bad, and and uh, shout out to Oklahoma City for for that. Um, but I mean, this this Detroit team, like, I don't know, I just don't know what to do. Like, Sekou Deboya, who like he was, I think he was a rookie last year, like showed a pretty good amount of promise. You know, he's probably like their for the future. But when you when you sign Jeremy Grant and have Blake Griffin. Uh, and I just realized that this doesn't even have Dwayne Dedman on here, who they also have. No, they they they're uh, waving him. They're stretching him. Okay, so that's dumb too. <laughs> but I, I just don't like. I have no words at this point because if that somehow ends up as their starting lineup with both Delon Wright and Jeremy Grant, like out of position, and I just don't know. I don't know what to do. I just don't. It's a it's a legitimately infuriating. This is a team that's clearly trying to tank, right? They are making absolutely zero bones about it. Um, the guy, Troy Weaver, is a Presty guy, for what that's worth. Um, yeah, I, you know, if you're gonna tank, why not sign all the centers? <laughs> you know, why not? Why not let Jeremy Grant shoot thirty times a game? Because he's Blake Griffin's going to get hurt at some point. Fuck it, right? Like, Detroit, without Blake Griffin last year, was legitimately one of the worst teams in recent memory. And I'm including the process 76ers. Like, they were bare bones. (laughs) Seku was literally the only thing worth a damn because Luke Kennard, we both like, and we'll talk about him in a second. But Luke Kennard, at best, is probably the seventh man on a good team. Like, they had nothing. Derrick Rose well, was well. You know who they did have? They had Christian Wood, who they just decided, oh yeah, I'd rather have Mason Plumley. I mean, there's no way in hell Christian Wood wanted to stay in Detroit, though. Let's, I mean, look. yeah, uh, you know that that's definitely a part of this. Is obviously not just like sign whoever you want, but well, it is give Jeremy Grant sixty million, so he'll come play for us. That. That's for sure, right? Like, who, like, under normal circumstances where Detroit's not so obviously trying to tank, and Troy Weaver, by the way, um, like we said, Oklahoma City guy, where did, was Jeremy Grant's last stop before Oklahoma City? Or before Denver? Oklahoma City. I fucked up the order there. But, <laughs> like, so that connection obviously probably played a part. Troy Weaver's probably like, hey, Jeremy, hey, buddy, you want, you want all the shots? You want to act like you're the first option? <laughs> Come take all the shots. And Denver's like, Denver probably, their eyes probably got it out of their head, right? And I may have said some things about Stan Kroenke being cheap, which are definitely still true. But I mean, if they were willing to offer Jeremy Grant $20 million a year, hey, all power to him, right? And he still turned down the money. You know, what What can I say about the Kroenke's? I could save, I could save my bitter hatred of them for, for later. But... <sighs> Just a frustrating offseason, right? And, you know, the way he's drafting, I think that might make it all worth it. But Detroit's just going to be really bad for the next three years. And hopefully it actually turns into something this time because last time it was just 41 wins at best and 25 wins at worst. So I'm ho- I'm hoping Detroit, right? Because I'm hoping the Bulls in Detroit can be good at the same time because I like when – I can actually be a Bulls fan, and then when I can hate the Pistons. <laughs> so, you know that both of those things haven't been true since 1991. So, 
Um, let's move on to the next team, though. And we're not we're not really fans of talking about the LA teams on this pod, right? But we we have to talk about the L, we have to talk about the LA teams on this one because they had two of the the better, not two of the better. The Lakers certainly did, but the Clippers I feel like improved for sure. So the Clippers traded for Luke Kennard and signed Serge Ibaka and re-signed Marcus Morris. And they lost Montrez. They lost Landry Shamit. They lost to Michael Green to the aforementioned Nuggets. So. I don't feel like they lost much. Is it, is that crazy to say? Like, I feel like, right. Shamit might be a huge loss, but I'd rather have Kennard. Harold might be a huge loss, but I'd rather have a Baca. And then Jamichael Green, they just didn't fucking use him. Right. So they didn't really lose much there. Like, do you think the Clippers, <laughs> how did you like the Clippers off season? I mean, honestly, I loved it. Um, Ibaka, like, that alone is massive. Like, Ibaka is so freaking good. His past two seasons in Toronto have been marvelous. And I don't use that word often. Marvelous. Serge Ibaka has been the past two years. And... Like I was, I wanted the I wanted the Clippers to trade for him last year. Like I just thought it was a great fit. Obviously, he's played with Kawhi, and they happen to win a title, by the way. So, I mean, I I think that's like exactly what they needed. And like the upgrade over Harrell, like they're not going to have to worry about about guarding Jokic as much. Like I, that's not as much of a problem. Obviously, Jokic is still better than Ibaka, but you don't have a six eight guy guarding him at this point. You know, you have a, a guy that has a reputation as a great defender um, who has, you know, been to the finals and won. Like, the the pure upgrade from Harold to Ibaka is, is drastic to me. Um, I also think upgrading from Shamit to Kennard is pretty big just because of the ball handling aspect. Because Shamit, I mean, Shamit is an off-the-screen shooter. Like he can he can handle the ball, but like he came into the league as a combo guard and like he's played with Ben Simmons and Kawhi Leonard now. Like he he's not going to handle the ball much. Um, Watching Shamit trying to dribble before you go on is one of the most painful things in the league. There's a lot of painful things in the league, but watching Shamit trying to dribble <laughs> is terrible. I'm sorry, I don't want Shamit dribbling on my team. I just don't. Yeah, and Kanar, on the other hand, is a guy who can dribble. Um, and as we talked about on this pod before, the Clippers sorely lacked um, another guy outside of those top two that could really create for themselves because Lou Will was not good. Um, and we don't have to go into the reasons why. In the bubble, there could have been some off-the-court factors, obviously, that have been discussed in the media. But, you know, he was not good. Pat Bev is just not a reliable ball handler slash creator. So, good player. Like, I still think he's a good fit for that team, but not a reliable creator. So, not to say that Luke Kennard is, like, some awesome, like, Josh Richardson level, you know, addition – but he he is an upgrade to that bench. So from that standpoint, um, they got better. And this is a team that we were saying last year was like the best team on paper. 
Uh, so, and you know, it didn't work out that way, but again, I think maybe you credit some of that to the bubble. I don't know, but it was just a weird year. So who knows what's real? Um, but you know, I mean, they still have, they still have a freaking great roster and it got, it got better. Yeah. And I, again, find myself agreeing with everything you're saying. I love Kennard. I think that he was woefully miscast in Detroit. I think, again, bumping him down to seventh man, that's going to make him a lot better, right? That's going to be, it's going to be huge for his career. And let's, I just think that, you know, like you said, Abaka, great rim protector still somehow this far into his career. He's still, I wouldn't call him elite anymore. Right. Cause <laughs> just, I'm looking at his basketball reference page and I'm realizing that there was one year he averaged 3.7 blocks a game. <laughs> Jesus Christ. That's, it's no. absurd. But I mean, Abaka low key again, looking at the basketball reference page, averaged 15 points a game the last two years. He's a guy that's not afraid to shoot it, which is something that the Clippers needed, right? They have, Okay, so let's count them now. So the guys that aren't afraid to shoot the ball, just like from anywhere, right? So you got Morris, Kawhi, PG, obviously. Um, Kennard, Lou Will is obviously not afraid to shoot it from anywhere. Will he make it all the time? Probably not. But I think I think that there's one move I proposed to you. I proposed it to you and Caleb, and I, I got feedback from both of you, and you both liked it. I just think Lou Will for George Hill and – LA throws a couple second rounders in there. I think it makes too much sense. I, I just think it makes too much sense because listen, if OKC's trying to take, why not let Lou Will take all the shots, right? <laughs> and George Hill just fits the team perfectly. It's a capable backup defender. You aren't losing any defense when you're probably gaining defense when Patrick Beverly sits down. I don't know. The team to me, the Clippers are still flawed, right? And let's move on to the actual best team on paper which is the Los Angeles Lakers. <laughs> they gained Montrez Harrell, Wesley Matthews, Markeith. They re-signed Markeith Morris, and they signed one of my favorite players of all time, Mark Gasol. They lost Danny Green, Rondo, Avery Bradley, Dwight Howard, and JaVale McGee. Um, I would say of all those guys they lost, they upgraded from every single one of those spots. I mean, Harrell, I don't understand the fit. 1000%, but I think that Wes Matthews is an upgrade over Danny Green. I think, you know, just the team makes more sense to me this year. Yeah. And, and one of the things we don't have, cause this list we're working off of is I tried to just do free agency. So they already made the gen, the Dennis Schroeder trade. Mm-hmm. Um, so that they, they got that upgrade there uh, over Rondo. So, you know, they started the offseason with the Schroeder trade, which we both liked, um, you know. And then you build on top of that. And the thing about Gasol is he was really bad this past year. Like, I mean, his defense is probably still okay, but he was shooting wide open threes and just missing. Like, I, I can't recall – more than a handful of wide open top of the key threes that he just bricked. And like, those were shots where even just the year before he was making like the year they won the finals. I mean, he was clearly not the same player. He was in Memphis for all those years, but he was still viable. I mean, he was worse than Serge Ibaka, but he was still viable. And last year he was just bad. 
I mean, I think you can make arguments that Chris Boucher was better than him a lot of times. Um, who also who resigned in Toronto, by the way. Very happy to to say that because I, I we we both like him as the Toronto nerds we are. Yeah. <laughs> um. So I don't know. Um, getting Harrell is good. I still think it's weird. I don't know. I mean, of all of all things to do, it's like it's just kind of weird how the past two seasons they've just kind of hammered down on center. It's like Dwight Howard was like one of their best players last year, and now they get rid of him and they re- or they sign another center. It's like I don't know. I mean, it worked for them this past year, but. It's just odd to me. And then, you know, Wesley Matthews, obviously a good move. Uh, KCP was re-signed as well. So, you know, the the depth, you know, we worried about the depth this past year. And the depth is better now. They're still weak on the wing, uh, but it's not horrible. So, I think they're fine. And they probably still are the best team on paper. But, um, I mean, you know, overall a good offseason for sure. Yeah, the Schroeder Harold pick and roll is going to be just fearsome. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like that that's gonna be probably unstoppable. Um yeah. The Lakers to me kind of short up all their holes, like with what you said. If they lost all three of Danny Green, Avery Bradley, and KCP, I would have been a considerably more worried. Yeah. <laughs> but I think Schroeder can give you I mean, he's obviously way better on offense than Bradley or Rondo. I mean, Rondo in the playoffs, I'd probably rather have than Schroeder. But, I mean, still, Schroeder is significantly better than both of them. I don't know about Wes Matthews at this point. We'll, we'll have to wait to see, right? I don't know if that was but incompetence or if it was Wes Matthews falling off. I, even as much as I don't like bud i would probably defer to him in this scenario but we'll have to we'll have to see it in los angeles right because he's obviously going to start for them um i don't know i think marcus all i think he's just gonna bang and i think that's what they need they just need a banger right Jokic, Jokic is kind of funny because now all the guy all the teams that are like wanting to contend need to get centers now <laughs> it's just really <laughs> funny to me right because now like we were hearing for years oh center center doesn't matter and now like all the teams are like having to shore up on center Right. So that was funny to me. Right. Like I, I think he'll fit well in Los Angeles because his role will be significantly reduced. So I think the Lakers had a a great off season and hold on. I'm going to pull up the Dylan Hughes quote real quick. Cause you said something about repeat play repeat champions. That was interesting to me. We'll have to scroll back a little while, but I think you said you hate them. I think you said you just hate repeat champions. I think they're stupid. I think is might've been the exact phrasing. Yeah, they are stupid. Like, what what sport besides the NBA does this happen? I mean, seriously. Like, the NFL, if you take the Patriots dynasty out of it, you just rarely see a team in the Super Bowl or in the championship game, like, as often as the NBA. It's like you build, you build a team, and it's like you're guaranteed damn near to have, like, three finals appearances. Like, I just – I don't like that. Well, the West, I mean, with Luka's certain rise to dominance, I think we won't have to worry about the Lakers for much longer. But let's move on to the next team, the Miami Heat. They kind of had a more low-key offseason, but they 
they signed Harkless and Mo Harkless and the aforementioned Bradley, and then they re-signed Drogic and Myers Leonard team friendly deals. So let's we don't have to spend a whole lot of time on the Heat, but I think they kind of got a little worse just by not keeping Crowder. <laughs> yeah. Like I think that was let's so let's just talk about Crowder real quick because Crowder is on the next team. So we'll we'll use that to transition, but I think that the Heat are going to be significantly worse this year just because, like, Harkless is good. But I think for the Heat specifically, they need Crowder more than they need Harkless. Yeah, see, the problem, and again, I don't know if even if they re-signed Crowder, if this was going to be able to happen. But Crowder's shooting was, I don't want to say single-handedly, but it was definitely one of, like, the five biggest factors of them getting to the finals. And again, that was rather uncharacteristic for him to shoot like that. So even if they did re-sign him, I'm not convinced that he would have been able to continue that. But there is a massive hole at the four now. And and in the regular season, they had that problem. Like they were playing Olenek. They were playing, you know, Leonard there at times. They were playing Iguodala after they got him. Like, they couldn't really figure it out, and then Jay Crowder was acquired, and then they just kind of started. It just worked. Now, they're back to the same problem. Like, if Maurice Harkless is the Jay Crowder of this year, that's a really bad sign for them. Like, if that's their best option, and I don't think it will be, um, just knowing Spo, he's probably going to change that. Who's at the four a lot? It's going to be a lot of matchup-based stuff. But, I mean, looking at this roster, like, it worries me. I don't know. Unless you want to go tiny and stick Avery Bradley in there and, like, push Jimmy to the four, you know? It's like, I don't know. I don't know another option because if you put Kelly Olenek or Myers Leonard out there, you're going to run into some major problems. Yeah, and the the Heat finals appearance kind of felt fluky already. And I, I looked up. I went to the basketball reference playoff leaders, right? <laughs> Jake Crowder shot the most threes in the playoff and he made the third most. He, Jake Crowder was 55 for 161. <laughs> he shot a lot of them. And Harkless, one thing we know about Harkless is that he is, um, he is trigger shy. He is not as, like, even I would say Crowder's a better shooter only because he shoots. <laughs> If Harkless actually shot, he might be a good shooter, but we don't know because Harkless, I don't think, has ever gone above three attempts a game. So I think that that's going to be an interesting fit. The defense, the wing defense should be better, and Bradley should shore up their point guard defense. But in a conference with Giannis, Crowder was essential in that Buck series. Like, they don't they don't make the finals without Crowder. That's 100% for sure. But, um, again, in the interest of time... <laughs> time spent let's let's move on to the next team the phoenix suns who signed jay crowder they also signed etuan moore and re-signed dario saric they lost aaron baines and obviously they traded for chris paul um are the suns going to be one of the running cook favorites this upcoming season dude i'm looking at this roster right now so here's here's your projected starting five right now chris paul devin booker mikhail bridges Jay Crowder, DeAndre Ayton. I love it. <laughs> I mean, that's beautiful. And again, like, let's just to go back on the Heat discussion. Let's say Jay Crowder has a tough year. 
he's shooting 31% from three. You know, the defense is still good, but you want a little bit more floor spacing. You just slide Cam Johnson in, and all that floor spacing comes back. You want to go small and maybe try McHale at the four? Each one more, who I just found out each one more was signed today. I'm like, wow. Like, each one more, you know, obviously there's going to be some Purdue bias there, but each one more is from my Purdue, like, childhood team, so I always be attached to him. And, you know, Robbie Hummel didn't work out, so he's the last little hope I have left. He, he has been a, a very reliable bench shooter for his whole career. And I think he's going to continue to do that here. And, you know, re-signing Sarich was good. Like, I don't love Sarich, but he's 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 probably replacement level, honestly. But, like, he's a he's a good backup for maybe spot starter here and there. He he played a lot of five in the bubble, and I think that's what he's going to do. He's going to be the backup five behind Aiton. And I think they're going to let Jalen Smith develop for a year. But I think that what – I've been told about Jalen Smith and just basically everything that, I mean, we ascertain that James Jones values, he values depth and this team is deep. <laughs> this team has yeah. solid depth. And Sarich, uh, when he was in Minnesota, he actually played some, uh, he was kind of their backup five for a while after they traded Jang. Um, it wasn't for long, but he was their backup five and he actually did pretty good. Like he's very strong. Uh, defensively, he's not a good perimeter defender because he's, you know, you slow. Not, yeah, he's slow, but he's definitely one of those guys that's just strong where you're better off having him in that kind of position. So I don't, I don't hate that idea at all. If they do go there, um, I wouldn't be shocked if Jalen Smith is kind of, kind of raw out of the gate. Um, I, I do like Jalen Smith, so I hope he can find a role, but. But again, if, if they have to play Sarge, I think they're fine. And Javon Carter really showed out. Um, I don't think we're going to see a repeat performance from campaign, but God bless him if he does. Um, <laughs> I mean, Javon Carter to me, that was kind of like, you know, I love that re-signing for them, right? I love the way he plays. Like just the way he plays defense, he automatically earned a spot on the on my, you know, want to have him on my team guys list. But, I mean, Booker should take a step forward. Chris Paul should stabilize the team. I don't see any reason why this team should miss the playoffs. I Unless someone gets a massive injury, which Chris Paul had good injury luck last year. I don't know if he'll have the same luck next year, but I just I don't see any reason why the Suns should make the playoffs. Like, they're deep. And I think depth in this season where it's going really fast, I think that's going to benefit them. <laughs> I think it's going to benefit them. I, I really do. Yeah, and, and DeAndre Aiden should theoretically take a, a decent leap as well, uh, playing with Chris Paul. So, and again, like playing with Chris Paul, Devin Booker is definitely going to be in like a very comfortable role. I think he's, I think he's going to feel pretty good in that in that role because as we saw last year, him playing next to Rubio, he was a lot more comfortable because he didn't have to bear that load. Because man. When he didn't have a point guard, he made a lot of mistakes because he's I don't he just is not that natural passer. And when he's forced into that role, it's just not good. And, and he he took a lot of bad shots. Um, you know, we've seen this similar things with Donovan Mitchell, but Donovan Mitchell has, I think, uh, made mass improvements with his passing vision. But you know, 
having Chris Paul, he's not going to have to worry about that. He can worry more about scoring and uh, getting to that nice elbow jumper that he likes. So I think, uh, you know, the, the two cornerstones of this future of the franchise are going to get – they should they should be a lot better this year. So that alone um, is going to definitely propel the Suns into hopefully a nice little playoff spot. Yeah, that's what I'm hoping, but the West is always tough. I mean, there is the play-in tournament, though, so. That's true. I mean, Either way, they have that safety net. Right. They're going. They're a top-10 team in the West, for sure. There's absolutely no doubt in my mind about that. Um, the next team that you have on your list is the Portland Trailblazers. They re-signed Rodney Hood. They signed Derek Jones Jr. They traded for Enos Cantor. They lost Hassan Whiteside and Mario Hazonia, too. I would argue two of the best guys to lose in the NBA. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That, that's addition by subtraction right there. Both of them. Both of them. And that's having two additions by subtraction, that's like four right there. You know, <laughs> the math doesn't add up necessarily, but it adds up in NBA sense. Um, they obviously traded for Robert Covington. This team is wing rich now <laughs> after not having any wings. Yeah, just like that. <laughs> Happened like real it, quick. And Rodney Hood re-signing. The second year is fully non-guaranteed. So <laughs> if they... If the Rodney Hood experiment, if he doesn't bounce back, they can just cut bait, right? But Rodney Hood was really good for them when he did play for Portland. And, I mean, we talked about them earlier. I said they could finish in the top three, but how do you like Portland into the coming season? Yeah, I mean, like, Portland, I think, always gets, like, to me at least, they get a Damian Lillard bump because he always gets them – you know, three to four wins at least more than they should. And now he's got a pretty damn good supporting cast. Like I'm, just, I'm interested to see if they end up rolling with Zach Collins at the four again. I don't think it, I don't want to say it didn't work because, you know, he was hurt and Nurkic was hurt at different times. So like we never really got a great amount of time, a great sample size to see just how that would work. Um, but just on paper, Zach Collins is a five. And I think he can play the four, but I'm not sure that's the best way to utilize him. And, you know, you want to talk options at the four, like you could go mellow. I mean, Mello was pretty good last year, like certainly better than he was in his prior few stops. Um, who knows if that holds up. Rodney Hood... You know, you could put – obviously, you could just slide Covington up and put a smaller guy at the three. Derek Jones Jr., maybe – I don't know. He's an athlete, and if you just want a guy on the floor that's going to defend his ass off and, like, not hold the ball, that's your guy. So, right. you know, there's a lot they could do. And Terry Stotts is a really good coach, so he's going to figure the lineup that works out. But, Yeah. And also, Harry Giles, the addition there, um, I'm kind of sad that he didn't go to Denver because, like, that would have been a great – he could have easily stepped into that role as backup center. Like, with Portland now, he's kind of buried behind Nurkic and Cantor. I'm not sure he's going to play as much as I would like to see. But, you know, and I guess Giles would still be considered a flyer at this point. Um, but like the talents there, we, we've seen it. He was one of the best players coming, uh, into college. You know, he had so many freaking knee injuries. He just came out and I mean, he could easily been like a 
uh, a number one overall pick if he wasn't hurt. Like, that's how people talked about him. And he hasn't really had injury problems in the NBA, but he hasn't had a ton of opportunity either. And playing with the Kings, I mean, for God's sakes, you know, give the guy a chance. So I, I kind of hope he gets some sort of uh, a role there. But, you know, at this point, it's not looking good. But, I mean, you know, if they can figure that five out, whether it is Collins or someone else, they've got they've got a hell of a starting five, and they've got uh, way more depth than they did last year. And that's that's one thing I, I'll touch on real quick is like you could go a lot of different ways, right? Covington's experience last year, I would be comfortable playing him at center for small stretches, putting Mello at the four and Rodney Hood at the three, and just going all like all stretch offense, right? Like, that offense would be insanely stretchy. Like, the defense would probably give it up on the other end, but I would trust Covington as a rim protector. Um, I would probably start – so this is what I would probably start, okay? Lillard and CJ, obviously. Nurkic, obviously. I'd probably start Rodney Hood at three and Covington at four. I think Covington's better off at a, as a four at this point anyway. So that makes that more, more malleable. And then just Rodney Hood's ball handling to me – I miss Rodney Hood, man. He's such a fun player to watch. And when he's, when he's good, he's good. And when he's bad, he sucks. But <laughs> like I, Rodney Hood was good in Portland. So I want to see that. I want to see that experiment. Um, let's move on to the team. We want to laugh at last before I throw in a couple of my honorable mentions here, the Kings. <laughs> good God, the fucking Kings. I hate them. <laughs> I hate them. They signed the only thing good. They did this offseason was signed De'Aaron Fox to that ginormous contract, but Golly, man. Bazemore, Bogdan, Harry Giles was what they lost. We talked about Bogdan, obviously, but the whole Bogdan situation in Milwaukee is a fucking disgrace. And I feel like the Kings are partly to blame. So let me let me give some background real quick, because that's a that's a hefty claim, I know. But there is there's an article on Deadspin a while ago that pointed out that the NBA, this isn't back in 2014, just just to give the, the listeners context that they need. So the NBA released 30 different memos to 30 GMs, right? You know, just to see who was leaking stuff to Woj. They found out that Joe Dumars <laughs> was the leak. Do you want to know where Joe Dumars works now, Dylan Hughes? You, you want to guess? <laughs> Tell <laughs> me. He works Hold for the, on, the Sacramento Kings. And let's not act like this guy was, you know, fucking wizard GM when he was a GM last. They fucking sucked. He took over in 2000. Okay? He made some pretty good moves, right? We t- we talked pretty ad nauseum last week about the whole second pick in the draft situation, right? Like, God, man. Their draft sucked after 2004. They gave they gave a combined 100 million to fucking Charlie Villanueva and Ben Gordon. Those two guys, God, uh, uh, it's just terrible contracts. And then the icing on the shit cake, just this whole Bogdan Bogdanovich situation where it was obvious that someone leaked this to Woj way too early. The NBA got mad about them for tampering, right? Which is bullshit based on what we saw last year, but still. Um, <laughs> so someone se- stepped up and said something about it. And so then, you know, Bogdan Bogdanovich, whatever, goes to the Hawks, whatever. They signed today. We're recording this on Wednesday. I'm probably going to put this out on Friday. 
they signed fucking Hassan Whiteside today. <laughs> Just why? Why you have a fun young team? Why have a guy that all he wants to do is put up stats. That's literally all Hassan Whiteside is looking to do. He doesn't play defense. He's just looking to get blocks. He doesn't box out. He's just looking to get rebounds. He doesn't do anything productive on offense. He's just looking to score the points, right? So why do you sign this guy when you have De'Aaron Fox and Buddy Heald, right? Two guys you can ostensibly still build around. It just boggles the mind, right? Why not? You didn't want Buddy Heald anyway. Why not just keep Bogdan and trade for Al Horford? Right? It just didn't make sense. Nothing this fucking team does make sense, and it's just fucking infuriating. God. (laughs) Well, see, here's the problem, okay? So last year, they benched Buddy because Bogdan is a better fit with De'Aaron Fox. That's where they they convinced themselves of that. They they basically tell the whole world, hey, world, we're going to trade Buddy Heald as soon as we can. So what do they do? They say, okay, so first of all, Let's go back to how they even get Bogdan Bogdanovich, okay? So Bogdan was like a a foreign player for a while that everyone was keeping tabs on. Like he was going to be – we knew he was coming to the NBA at some point. He was going to be real good. He had – the Phoenix Suns held his rights for years. And the Phoenix Suns, the team that we just talked up, they said, hey, you know who we really should trade – the rights to Bogdan Bogdanovich for <laughs> Marquis fucking Chris. We want, we don't, we don't only want Dragon Bender in this draft. We also want Marquis Chris. Those are, those are our two cornerstones right there. That's who we really need. We need to, we need to draft two players within five picks that play the same position. And, and to do so, we're going to trade the rights to one of the best foreign players in the world. So the Kings for once, come out on top for once they come out on top of a trade i mean just shocking like someone write a freaking book about this because the kings i mean every blind squirrel gets a nut but the fucking blind squirrel lost its nut okay they had this dude for four years they convinced themselves within the past year that this is basically their second best player for the future and they just let him walk. The you know, and, and again, the Bucks thing is tough because they were going to trade him for like some pieces. Like Dante Divincenzo is a piece. DJ Wilson could maybe be a backup for I don't know. They were getting something out of it. They get nothing out of this. Now you have Buddy Heald, who probably still hates it there. You have Hassan Whiteside as your starting center, I guess. It's like, and this is all after a week ago. I'm so happy for them for drafting Tyrese Halliburton because he's like the one guy in the draft I even know. And I'm like, oh, this is a good player. Like, I'm happy they got him. And they just do all this shit within a week after me for once giving them praise. So congratulations, Kings, for turning this podcast into just a a Kings hate session and I think every podcast we record for the rest of time, we're going to have to have some King's hate because it'll never be enough. So, okay. Real, real quick, real quick. So, you know, the, so obviously the Kings got Bogdan Bogdanovich in that trade. They also got an extra first round pick, right? They got 13. Do you remember who they picked at 13? Do you remember who the Kings picked? <laughs> Please tell me. 
It was Georgios Papianis. You remember oh. that guy? <laughs> and they still won the trade. That's how bad of a trade it was. I mean, just go through the Kings' recent history, right? Through every GM, right? Just go look at the fucking 76ers trade where they traded <laughs> the future lightly protected first-round pick. That They got lucky that they actually won some games the year it was due. But, man... The Kings fucking suck. And that's that's just all there is to it. Um, I want to shout out the Bucks. They bounced back after losing Bogdanovich. They were signing Augustine and Craig and Bryn Forbes. I really liked all those moves for them. You know, it sucks that they're still trying to avoid the luxury tax, but I mean, still, they tried. <laughs> you know, I'd give them a C for the offseason just because they tried, and it wasn't really entirely their fault. But I think... That's just, I think that's all I really wanted to shout out. I think we touched on a lot. We did a lot in this episode and it was great as always. Um, Dylan, I want to thank you again for joining me. Thank you. It, it felt good to get some of that hate off the chest. And I didn't expect to hate the Kings more than the Pistons because I was prepared to go off on the Pistons and I did, but the Kings rage is just constantly brewing and it, it really just poured out there then. The Kings are the Kings. Let's just let's just make that abundantly clear. The Kings are the Kings. They're just they can never do anything right. They're fu- they're constant fuck ups. Um, they're just a disgrace to the sport. But like I said, this is probably going to come out on Friday the twenty seventh. Um, we are going to take next week off because frankly we deserve it, and we're we're not going to give away the companies we're working for because we're not going to give them free publicity. But we're both working in industries that make this time incredibly busy for that for us we will be back the week after that with we're gonna copy we're i'm claiming this on the back end and we'll claim this at the front end of the other podcast we're kind of copying dunked on but you know they're so they're so good at their jobs we're not gonna we're not gonna equal them probably but we're gonna we're gonna get close we're gonna get close we're gonna do conference previews each of the two weeks before the season then we'll go from there um we, we don't have a plan after that yet, but we have a plan, which is usually further than we go. <laughs> usually further than we go. Um, Lynn Sanity, go check that out. Caleb and Zach and Bryce were on a, another episode, and that trio is Dynamite. Dynamite. Um, Battleground, I'm not sure what their status is. Bryce is also working at a place <laughs> that's conducive to, to busy times, especially on Black Friday, so... Um, we don't know what that situation is, but uh, Triple Option Pass, I don't know if they're coming back this week. I'm not entirely sure. Again, I've been busy this week. Can't keep up with all of it. Circle City Cinema, they, they're they always great. They did an episode on the Zodiac, and they also broke down who they thought the Zodiac Killer was. So I didn't listen that far. I, I'm, I'm going to be honest. You know, I'm the producer, but I, I don't always do a good job of listening to my own, my own stuff. But um, Dylan, <laughs> this was such a fun pod, man. <laughs> Appreciate you joining me, man. This is this is a great time. It always is, buddy. It always is.